0: the NABs Now podcast brought to you by the National Association of Blind Students, a proud division of the National Federation of the Blind.
1: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the NABs Now podcast. I'm your host Nina, and today we're going to be talking about legislation and how you can enact change as a student. While we all have a lot going on in our lives between working and academics and other things that we are a part of, legislation is very important, even though it can seem daunting as a student. So today we're going to be hearing from two very special guests, Kenya Flores and Justin Salisbury, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves and tell you their thoughts on legislation and the experiences that they have had.
2: Aloha, this is Justin Mark Salisbury, the Legislative Advocacy Committee Chair uh, for the National Association of Blind Students. I am in Honolulu, Hawaii, and I am between a master's degree in teaching the blind from Louisiana Tech University. I'm a cane travel instructor. Um, And my PhD, I wanna get my PhD in education and learn more, study more, and help prepare future generations of educators. Uh, So that's my big dream and that's why I'm still a student, still active in the student space.
0: So in a few moments, our students are going to get to hear an interview that you conducted with the Lieutenant Governor of Hawaii. And I was wondering if you'd be able to give them a little bit of background as to the story behind that interview.
2: Absolutely, so Lieutenant Lieutenant Governor Josh Green is a good friend of mine and has been for years since before he was Lieutenant Governor. Um, He is a really cool guy because he really takes the time to listen and understand and learn about disability rights and what matters to us. And a lot of times when we as blind people, we hear, oh, you got to go talk to this legislator who is an expert on healthcare. We think, oh, that's the death of whatever we need, because then they want to medicalize our blindness. Well, he didn't do that. He actually took the time to listen to us and to learn. And it was really great. Uh, and then, we developed a great friendship and he started learning about other things that we needed and started helping us. And it, it was great. And so I worked very actively, very hard on his campaign uh, to make sure that we could put him in the position of lieutenant governor. And so uh, he actually was really generous and gave some time during the height of the campaign to sit down with me over lunch at his uh, condo and we were able to do some recording. We were able to talk about um, some of these concepts to help teach blind students, to help educate a future generation of advocates and activists, and he wants to support that. So that was really great.
3: All right, welcome to a podcast on legislation with the National Association of Blind Students and of course the National Federation of the Blind. My name is Justin Salisbury. I'm the president of the Hawaii Association of Blind Students. Um, and an active member of the National Federation of the Blind Affiliate here in Hawaii. Um, I'm here with a friend of mine, Senator Josh Green, also known as an emergency room medical doctor and a medical director here in Hawaii. He wears a lot of hats, but he knows a lot about legislation and how the state government and federal government works. So I've invited him to join us here on this podcast today. You
4: want to say hi? Hi. I so appreciate being a part of this, Justin. Uh, it's my pleasure to uh, share my experience. Awesome. So. What I'd
3: like to do is because um, Josh has done a lot of work with us. Um, is it all right if I call you that on of the podcast? Okay, Absolutely. great. Um, so yeah, so you know he's done a lot of work with us uh, in the in the federation over the past year or so, and um, I wanted to just kind of tell some stories about how we've worked together, and I'll give some uh, some definitions in order to make it palatable for people. So a committee is basically a subset of a given body uh, of anything really, but with regard to a legislature, it's a a smaller group of senators or representatives that deals with a certain topic uh, or issue or content area. And then a subcommittee, which we don't have any of those in Hawaii, but at the federal level and maybe in some states, you can have a smaller version of that that focuses in an even more narrow way. Then anything a subcommittee decides gets referred back to a committee and then back to its whole body before something goes on. Um, now, when I met Josh, it was across a hearing room table because he was chair of a, or yeah, chair of a committee called the Senate Committee on Human Services here in Hawaii. Uh, so, anything you want to add with your experience on what the
4: committees do? Well, the committees are responsible to take up the legislation, and so the committee chairs are ultimately responsible to look at all the bills that have been have been referred to them, that have been submitted by colleagues, by other legislators, they get sifted out and referred to the proper subject material committee. So a health bill goes to the health committee, a human services bill goes to the human services committee, and so on, often many committees. And then once that uh, that process has been completed, it's really up to the chairpeople, the chairman or chairwoman, to decide whether there's gonna be a hearing. So in Hawaii at least, the chairs have a lot of latitude to decide what does or doesn't go forward for a hearing. And of course, if we want to pass laws, we've got to get, get them through the whole hearing process and first the Senate, and then the House, and then work things out. So you rely on your chairs in general, hopefully they have some expertise in the area, to work with people, work with organizations, and uh, begin the process of passing a bill.
3: Excellent, thank you. So that's a good segue into the whole concept of a hearing, which of course is is how we met. Um, So you know, when a bill uh, needs to get discussed or maybe there's an investigation going on or some kind of briefing, it it can be called to what we call a hearing, um, where then uh, the chair of the committee is, is usually the one running the show and actually calling people up so that they can testify and speak on it. There's usually written testimony submitted ahead of time. Um, and of course, the, the opportunity where, where we met, there was somebody pushing a bill that was actually going to hurt disability rights. A bunch of people uh, with an agency that profits off of selling an image of blind people as helpless um, was trying to ask for something that was really going to hurt us. And so we went into that hearing and we spoke up and we testified against it. And. A lot of people, um, including um, Senator Green, you know took the time to to listen to what we were saying, and um, then he came out after the hearing to talk with us and said, "Hey, you know, I, I totally get where you guys are coming from I'm going to kill this thing for you, um, but you know also in the future, come tell me what you do need um, so with that, I want to give you another chance, uh, Josh, if you want to offer anything about what hearings are like and, and maybe how they go sure
4: so uh, once a bill gets in front of a chair uh, then it's, uh, it's all bets are off kind of you just don't know exactly what might happen testimony begins to come in both for and against a bill in my case I tend to hear a lot of legislation so that I can learn about issues and vet what's uh, good or bad on a subject uh, the example that use that you remind us of was a bill about whether or not individuals who are blind should or shouldn't be uh, given access to handicapped parking and access to use that facility, you know, those facilities. Uh, a very compelling case was made in your case by you and some others and many others that we wanted to fight to uh, strengthen um, people's resolve who are blind to empower them, that we didn't want to disempower a large group of people. And I took it to heart and after hearing a lot of testimony on both sides, thought that the bill shouldn't go forward. And that's ideally the way a hearing should go. A lot of times, of course, hearings have a you know, a different kind of life. Uh, a lot of times people have a, a preordained decision. Uh, they already have predetermined what they'd like to do in the committee, and that's unfortunate. But I, I like to approach it a different way, which is to really try to listen to people and, and see what's right.
3: Thank you, and yeah, one thing that was really cool in that hearing is we actually heard other agencies within the state citing a resolution that was passed by the National Federation of the Blind years before, saying that blind people didn't need to get handicap parking, and that was really quite interesting to see the work of the federation even being cited by other entities across our state that were on our side. Um, so. Um, you know, after we built that initial relationship, then um, I remember Shannon Cantan and I were at a cookout at the Bishop Museum um, and we had all kinds of people there and, and I saw Josh and we were talking and, and I said, hey, there is this one thing that, that would really help us, you know, um, here in Hawaii, if someone thinks that a blind person shouldn't be raising kids, then they can just take them away. And we would like to pass a bill that would make it so that, you know, blind people do have the right to raise their own kids. And he said, oh my God, of course, you know, I'll help with that. I'll introduce it. And as the chair on the Senate Committee on Human Services, he was able to take our model bill and work it up the way that uh, it would fit Hawaii. And then we had a bill and then it was a matter of taking it to hearings. Um, So of course, um, actually, while we were at Washington Seminar, Shannon and I both were, um, and a number of us were at Washington Seminar, uh, we were still able to put together a hearing because we knew we could trust that Josh, as committee chair, would, would do his part and uh, the Federationists who stayed behind were ready to go and testified well. So we had a hearing, we passed the bill through without doing anything to change it. So in other words, we'd say no markup. Uh, but sometimes a bill maybe needs some editing or some markup where people are making adjustments, making some edits, some changes. Um, and so, you know, one that—that's a role that's often played frequently by a committee chair. So I'm wondering, Josh, if you could tell us a little bit about uh, how markup goes for you. Sometimes good, maybe sometimes bad. How it, you know, how maybe it gets interpreted by people. Sure.
4: So uh, if a bill does have enough merit to go forward in the process, but needs some fundamental change, uh, even some just basic, basic uh, grammatical changes, we do that. But if it needs fundamental changes, we work with the bill writing agencies, the the Senate Majority Office, or the Legislative Writing Bureau, we take recommendations from people's testimony, and we try to incorporate them in the bill to go on to the next committee. Uh, Then we, of course, we vote on it, usually in committee with amendments, and the amendments get finalized, and then it goes to the subsequent uh, committees. And then it's gotta go through the same process again. Uh, Once it has done that, once we've gotten things tuned up a bit, uh, of course, it's not done then, it goes to the other body and, and the House has to go through the exact same process. Ideally, uh, in the conference committee, if both House and Senate pass it, the language matches up very cleanly and we can simply get a bill over to the governor. Uh, if it doesn't, it has to go through final amendments or markups like you described, and uh, that can be a contentious process. So. There's a lot that goes into it, but really it's just like editing a school paper or a a, a document that one might do in their job. It just has to be voted on afterwards.
3: Great. Yeah, so that that brings up another um, closely related topic that is also on our agenda here to talk about, and that's conference committee. Now, one thing that we've talked about a lot here in Hawaii is a bill that died in conference committee. That was our bill to end subminimum wages. Now because of different committee memberships and chairmanships, uh, Josh had actually done a lot of work to broker us a bill to end subminimum wages, but then a chair of another committee said, I want this to be my bill so that I can put it through. And so it ended up being somebody else who took the bill and introduced it. But eventually uh, there were different forms of markup and different versions that got passed by different committees and by each chamber. So then we got to what's called conference committee, where you have representatives from each chamber, some people from the House and some people from the Senate who are appointed to iron out those differences. And so then at the end of this process of negotiating and everything, there's a bill that comes out that's the big final one that gets voted on by both chambers. So I'm curious, in your experience, Josh, what's it like to be on a conference committee?
4: Well, conference committee is an interesting beast. It's, uh, it's good to be on a conference committee if you're the lead chair, because if you're the lead chair, you're responsible for most of the decisions and all of the uh, edits and, and amendments. Now, you still need to have your chairs on board with you, but uh, the way we do it is any committee that saw or heard the bill, that chair ends up on the conference committee. Usually, that's at least three people. And then we'll usually put another couple on that have been interested in the bill. Maybe they were the sponsor of the bill or someone from the minority party when we had someone. We don't have any Republicans in in the Hawaii uh, State Senate, so we don't have that issue right now. Uh, But usually we keep an odd number, so a vote can be handled. And if you're not the chair of the conference committee, you really have a very uh, quiet, relaxed role it'd probably be better to have more input, and I'm sure every state does things differently, but in Hawaii at least, the chairs of the Conference Committee uh, pretty much determine its fate. Uh, And then you just have to hope that the chair of the House and the chair of the Senate are able to work together, because if they're not, uh, a bill's fate could be uh, quite um, unfortunate.
3: Excellent. Well, great. So, I mean, we've talked about a lot of these things at the state level. I know in pretty much every way, it's a mirror image of what happens at the federal level. Are there any major differences that you notice between the state and federal levels on the topics we've discussed?
4: Well, the the state and the federal levels have some fundamental differences and some similarities. Uh, We both have bicameral legislatures, meaning House and Senate, so we have to go through the same kind of process. Of course, we both have an executive branch to navigate. Uh, Again, a, a process that you have to understand is right there for you. We don't see a lot of vetoes in the state of hawaii there there are a few occasionally but at the federal level a lot more of that because there's a lot more partisanship Uh, we do uh, have a small state with a much smaller budget so we have to be mindful of what programs we can afford Uh, but there are other you know all the other similarities exist you have to go through the whole process we don't have subcommittees as you mentioned Uh, subcommittees is just a way for them to describe multiple committees we have a lot of committees used to be that health and human services were together, for instance, and the human services side was often managed by uh, another vice chair or or looked into it. You could have looked at that as a subcommittee. Now we have a full committee for human services. So uh, really, the principles are the same. There's just a little bit of nuance here and there.
3: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on this podcast with us here. Um, Did you have anything more that you wanted to offer or say in closing?
4: Well, I just think that you guys should be um, very proud of, of the effort that you put into the process. I've seen an incredible amount of well-informed testimony coming from your organization. Thoughtful people, uh, passionate people. You do a very good job of making it a human question with uh, very humanizing stories. As a legislator, I can tell you if people can uh, bring some emotion to the table and, and tell real stories of real human life impacts of what legislation would, would mean or make, uh, that makes a a big difference, and uh, just being intelligent and well informed and ready for hearings also goes a long way. So, I commend you guys. You, in particular, Justin, you've been exceptional, in my opinion. Uh, and having a team of people that are ready to come and contribute is also very valuable. You never want to be alone. You want to be able to fortify your position with a few other testifiers, and be ready on your feet because. Curveballs come all the time as we've seen, even from people we would think would be our allies, like a, a, a Department of Labor person or someone from the Attorney General's office. So always come better informed than they can possibly be. Be ready for their questions or their their curveballs and, and you will often prevail. It takes a little time, always be ready for two, three, four years at least to pass a piece of legislation. Never consider it a failure if it's not done in the first year. Uh, but you can succeed if you're as accomplished as your group has been.
3: Thanks so much, I really appreciate it. And as we say in Hawaii, mahalo and aloha.
1: That was a great informative interview with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Thank you so much, Justin, for all of your contributions. And now we're going to talk to Kenya Flores, who is the second vice president of NABS and who also has a great bit of experience in legislation and advocating.
5: Hey, y'all. My name is Kenya Flores, and I'm the second vice president of the National Association of Blind Students, and I'm a senior at Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm majoring in politics and international affairs and eventually want to go to law school.
0: We're so excited to have you with us today, Kenya. Um, The first question I want to ask you is what type of advocating have you been involved in as a student?
5: I'd say that most of my advocacy efforts have been with the NFB. I attended my first Washington seminar when I was 17 and a senior in high school. And honestly, I'd say that it's probably one of the most impactful experiences that I've had thus far. Um, You know, I think it's hard to really Know at that point in your life, sort of what you're going to do and what direction you're headed in, with so many pressures from everybody around you and like the college application process and everything like that. Um, and I think for me, it was just kind of one of those moments where it hit me that this was bigger than myself. And um, I was one person out of 500 Federationists, but we were all advocating the, together for legislative priorities and really um, communi- communicating to members of Congress what we do and don't need. Um, and since then, I've continued to stay involved and go to uh, to Washington seminar and advocate. Um, but it has also prompted me to get more involved with politics in general. Um, on my university's campus, I help with an initiative called DIN's Vote which encourages students to vote. Um, I'm not sure if many of y'all know this, but unfortunately, um, people in the age range of 18 to 26 are least likely to vote. Um, which is really sad because, like, research shows that you're more likely to continue voting if you form a habit of it early. And so, um, I really like no matter what part of what side of the aisle you're on. Um, I really encourage everybody to register to vote. If you need help um, or don't know where to turn, please reach out. I'd be more than happy to help you do that um, because it's so important. These members um, represent you and your interests and um, I know it's hard to say like, oh, I'm really unsatisfied with this policy and one of my first questions to people is, do you vote? Because if you don't, I mean, that makes it a little bit harder for you to argue that your interests aren't being represented.
0: So I just want to elaborate. You said that it's really important for students to register to vote. Um, Similarly, why do you think it's important for our students, especially our blind students, to get involved with advocating for legislation?
5: That's such a good question. So I would say that we are in a very unique position because. Um, not only are we still in school, but we're also just kind of entering the working world and um, are sort of really experiencing a lot firsthand. Um, but there are things that members of Congress and even people on the state and local level don't understand. Excuse me, And that's something that um, we can all kind of help explain, but I think that there are certain experiences that people wouldn't know about just from listening to others relay an experience. So by that, I mean that if you're in a class that has inaccessible materials, you couldn't really expect someone who's never been to college to talk about these things. Um, I took a political analysis class my sophomore year as part of my major, and we had to use an inaccessible software. Um, But unless... I've experienced that like no one else would know Um, and so there's nobody else better to communicate our needs than ourselves.
0: And one more question for you Kenya, Um, what advice would you give to a student if they're super hesitant to get involved in advocating for legislation because it does seem kind of scary when you're first starting out and I know I felt that way and what would you say to those students about getting involved?
5: That's such a good question. I wish that I would have paused and considered this before um, I sort of got started. Um, I would honestly say to take it one step at a time. I know legislation can be very overwhelming considering the amount of jargon and really complicated you know, pieces to legislation. Um, but I would just say read it, read it again, read it again reach out to people who you know are more knowledgeable than you because as someone who, you know, really enjoys politics and public policy um, as my major and um, as someone who has interned um, both in the district and on Capitol Hill, um, you know, I still have questions and I don't think that it's a a thing where you ever stop learning. I think um, it's more of reach out to those people around you Um, And even if it's like, hey, I don't understand how a bill becomes a law, like, reach out to somebody. We, our legislative advocacy committee, would be more than happy to um, go over those points with you or, you know, our affiliates or chapters, anybody would be happy to help you.
0: Thank you so much, Kenny. We really appreciate your input.
1: thank you so much kenya justin and lieutenant governor green i really appreciate all of your hard-working contributions to this episode i think that everyone has a lot to learn from you guys about advocating and enacting policy change as for students i hope that this inspires you to get more involved advocating and with legislation and to maybe even join our legislative committee <music>